0: A podcast to honour the
1: gods. This better come with a sacrifice.
2: Dave X Media. Content Capable acknowledges the Indigenous people on the land on which we record this podcast, the Taurangarong people. We offer our respect to their elders, past, present, and emerging, and extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people. Sovereignty was never ceded. Welcome to Tent Capable, where I will take every opportunity to brag about the amazing successes that my friends have, um, and I, yeah, will do it on a podcast publicly because I have that platform. I don't know. I don't know. It's a thing. Anyway, um, this week, well, I'm Sam, but this week uh, I have Taylor uh, from Deus Ex Media uh, itself. Hi, Taylor.
0: Hello. I'm back. I exist still.
2: Yeah, you- woo! You've um, it's been a while since you were last on. Um, I I think it's been a che- year. I should be like, yeah, I've just I like be been surprised. consistently
0: like around this time each year because that was your first episode, and then it you know yeah. just gotta gotta keep at the same time of year.
2: Yeah, exactly. Like that's that's what you want. Um, no, it's been um, it's been a busy year since we last spoke because there's been a lot of changes in terms of the network and everything which is well that's you know to think that we last recorded in March last year and it's now June where as of recording the very end of June but um and we are um i don't know we're ready we're ready for another episode we're
0: we're a totally new network and uh we've finally met And you've stayed... Yeah,
2: we killed the old network with our bare hands.
0: In a river. We drowned it. Yeah. Straight up murked it. Actually, that is accurate. We straight up murked it in a river. It's fine. what good times.
2: In a river with with unconfirmed levels of poop. Uh, Ah, yes. That one's a shout out to the Richmond peeps.
0: As... As, uh... Tina once told me she would never put her poor tailor in a river with too much poop in it.
2: And you know what? We trust her with that one. And that's Um, why I will never invite
0: anybody into the river that is within viewing from me. Who knows what's in that river? We don't.
2: We don't know. I tried to explain the James River to someone. That was a whole process. (laughs)
0: Sometimes there's shit, sometimes Um, there's not. You never know.
2: Yeah. Exactly, exactly. Um, Look, we're here to talk uh, not about shit in a... uh, Well, the the unconfirmed existence of shit in a river. We're here um, to talk about your master's thesis that you completed recently. First of all, congratulations. That's like a whole achievement in and of itself.
0: Uh, That's how I felt about it. (laughs)
2: it's fine everyone finishes after like a set of education whether it's you know university a bachelor's degree or high school or you know then you know every step beyond you finish it and you're just like I just want to collapse on the floor
0: Yeah. So it it was rough because I graduated in 2020. So it's actually my undergrad thesis. I didn't have to write one for my master's. And the reason why is I specifically chose a master's program. I did not need to write a thesis. Um, so I went to, Ah. I went to Penn state and, uh, in order to attend college, I had to be in the honors college, uh, to get enough scholarships to be able to afford to go, um, Mm-hmm. one of the requirements, the rest of the requirements were fine. It was like a GPA above 3.5 and like taking a certain amount of honors classes and all that jazz. But we were required to finish a thesis. Um, As listeners might remember, the wor- the world's shit hit the fan in spring 2020. Um, and... We were on spring break, and they were like, yeah, y'all aren't coming back. Bye-bye. And so I didn't have access to the library or my advisor or any of the stuff I needed to really finish up. It was really great. What fun. And truly, it was supposed to be like sixty to eighty pages originally. I got to forty, and I gave up. Like it, it was April. I, I gave up, and so what yeah. I did was I restructured it to focus on truly what I wanted to get across, which was um, my thesis. For those who don't know, I'm a teacher. I've talked about it here on the show before. Um, was on how to support students with uh, emotional disorders in the classroom. So, mm-hmm. specifically focusing on depression, anxiety, and bipolar disorder. Um, but yeah. a lot of what I cover in that is applicable to just life.
2: Yeah. So, Um Yeah, it's obviously a really important part when it comes to just general education because you're not going to get good results if your well-being isn't in a positive space. Mm
0: -mm. Yeah, no, my, my goal with my students is I always tell them I want them to be physically and mentally happy and safe and well before I care whether or not they know the emperors of the Mauryan Empire. Like I Yeah. I'm I'm as long as they get the general themes of history, that's my general goal. You know, if mm. as long as they pass and they've they've got the general understanding of what history is, that's all I care about. Now yeah. once we get into the nitty gritty if they are, you know, emotionally unwell, i am not going to be nitpicky about them, you know, missing an assignment here or there or um r- truly my paper is about flexibility. It's pretty much the hmm. flexibility in taking the time to learn yourself. That that is yeah. essentially the theme of my paper. And then I called out the current education system for not doing those two things.
2: Of course, of course. Like, why would the education system be equitable and understanding of, you know, individual people's issues and, you know, needs and desires and, you know, problems? Obviously, it's fascinating that you mentioned, you know, well-being because I do remember previous guests from last year um, oh, and I'm gonna forget her name even though I've been watching her videos all afternoon. Um, oh no, oh no, oh no, yeah. Um, Mrs. H, teaching Mrs. H on TikTok, she talks about uh marking on improvement rather than you know actual ability of like you know, and the rubric that she looks at is like marked around have you improved in your knowledge and understanding of what's going on rather than have you met the requirements that you know xy and z have set that haven't been in a classroom for the last 50 years
0: yeah so it's it's interesting cuz like there are some things that are just objective like a multiple choice mm. question like there's not much flexibility there but mm. um i don't know how Australia works, but each state has, like, specific standards that teachers have to teach to. Um, in Pennsylvania, where I live, specifically has standards for reading and writing in social studies, um, because yeah, social studies classes aren't a tested subject here in the standardized testing world, which you don't even get me started about, um, but, uh. <laughs> but, you know, a lot of what we do in the social studies is very much carried over into English classes. So, it, when I am looking and reading through short answer questions or projects or things like that, it, it is important to, A, know where your students are at. Yeah. And B, think about what they've done. Because I yeah. I teach for a cyber school, so my, my students are from all over the state, um, including mm-hmm. Philadelphia, where a lot of them live in neighborhoods that um, are not necessarily the safest. And yeah. on more than one occasion, we've gotten emails saying, hey, so-and-so's sibling or parent or friend was shot last night. And so, and unfortunately we've had students shot and killed, um, in, in these situations. So I can't expect a kid to complete the same project after they've had such a traumatic event as a kid who is currently in a stable situation.
2: Yeah, exactly.
0: And I think that carries over into real life where a boss, for example, cannot expect the same level of productivity, the same level of, you know, especially if we were talking about a public facing job, the same level mm. of, you know, excitement for their position if they don't take the time to understand where their employees are
2: yeah yeah exactly um and i think this is where like working culture has failed a bit in the western world where you know, we're taught to work until you know we drop dead um and you know that that has instilled in us in our education system Um, and even, you know, in our early childhood as well, you know, not being around your parents through incredibly formative years and bits and pieces. It's part of, and I, I've got to make it clear that, you know, it's everyone's individual choice, but it's kind of part of the reason why, you know, having a parent at home at all times, a stay at home parent does most of the time work well because it's, you know, you've got someone there looking after your developmental leads, advocating to other adults, for you know, fair treatment and bits and pieces, and are aware of what's going on. If I was working nine to five, my child's at school from nine to three. I, I'm not going to have time to you know process with them what's going on at school, how they're feeling emotionally, plus have time for myself to unwind, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera.
0: No, yeah, no, that's that's, and th- there is, um, research about uh, you know the efficacy of having a stay-at-home parent. Obviously, hmm. like, my family, there, there was no way. Like, we, we just couldn't yeah. financially do that. And a lot of my students, like, their parents are working two, three jobs. They're working a job themselves. Mm-hmm. That's why they come to a cyber school where there's more flexibility. Yeah. But it, it's so important that kids have a person that they can process with. And, you know, that's honestly part of what my research was in, was specifically what actionable items can adults, essentially, across the board, not just teachers, do to support kids. And one of them is being a support person when a kid has none. Um, Yeah. And that's unfortunately super common. Um, I didn't have a support person at home. Um, and instead it was my homeroom teacher in high school. Uh, she's the reason I became a teacher. She's the reason I wrote the thesis I did.
2: Um, it's, yeah. it's hard for a kid. <laughs> it is. It, it's terribly hard. It's hard to, it's also hard to witness as well, especially when, you know, you don't know what to do to help or et cetera, et cetera. You know, it's becomes an incredibly difficult set of challenges to solve, you know, how can I make sure this person's getting the support they need? I, you know, and people who don't know what they're doing, trying to help out, you know, and it, it becomes this very complex and, you know, interwoven topic that, um, I still think that, you know, we're going to spend a long time discussing before we get anywhere close to getting an answer.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And truly the best thing any person can do, is take the time to learn yourself because yeah. it it gets exhausting for the person in that situation to have to explain over and over again. And that goes with basically any invisible illness or disorder, whether it be a physical one or in a mental one. But it can, it goes applied with race and religion and things like that as well. Like it's, it's an across the board situation where we individually need to, you know, read listen to other people. I think that's why TikTok is an incredibly useful resource nowadays. And, yeah, no, there, there's bad information on TikTok. There's bad information on YouTube. There's bad information in any written source that you find. Yeah. But if you don't take the time, and a lot of what my- uh, half of my thesis was really breaking down the DSM definitions of the disorders I cover. Like, for bipolar disorder, a lot of people don't understand that there's multiple forms of bipolar disorder. Or they just use bipolar to mean oh, somebody who flips back and forth between emotions really quickly. It's not what it is. I have bipolar, too. And what it is for me is mostly depression. But then Mm. sometimes I have what's called a hypermania where it's, I am impulsive more than anything, or I am more emotional, but it doesn't mean I'm just flipping back and forth between emotions. Um,
2: Yeah. I'm, you know, flipping back and forth between emotions can represent a variety of issues, mental health issues, um, personal issues as well. Like, you know, um, even, you know, you might be reading that person wrong. They might, you know, look like they're flipping back and forth, but, like me, can't control um, their facial expressions half the time get <laughs> misread by their poor coworker on the other side of the office.
0: Uh, gotta love an RBF. Yeah. I just, um, I tend to space out a lot, so it tends to look like I'm staring at somebody, but really, mm. my I've just dissociated into outer space and it's fine.
2: Oh yeah, and to fight, like when you know you're going to be concentrating on someone and to fight to like oppose that i often find as well that like like every second person on tiktok i want to have something else going on at the same time um and i know it's bad for my productivity but i also know that i like that and it's not really helpful when i've had to you know make sure i discipline myself in that way and you know it, it's there's a variety of things that like people do that are outside of what we would consider commercially normal
0: yeah and and like I said, it's it's a dangerous spiral that we've sort of gotten into as a society where mm. we have created these very rigid boxes and our generation and, you know, millennials as well, so like the Gen Z millennials have really done a lot to try and break down those boxes. Um, yeah. Like, if you look at protests here in the United States, especially over things like School shootings and everything—they are led by Gen Z. Um, yeah, and you know that's that's why I focused on what I did uh, in my thesis because these kids have, n- well, these kids—I, you, and I have grown up in a post-9/11 world. The yeah. where the world economy crashed in our lifetimes all like there have been wars across the world there has never really truly been a time of rest in yeah. most kids worlds nowadays I, I can't speak for Australia obviously but I know you guys have a lot of connection to say the US and Europe and stuff that did go through this stuff so I, I'm making the assumption y'all yeah. dealt with some shit <laughs>
2: And I'll add that, like, regardless if it happens in one country, and I need to make this clear to anyone who thinks, oh, you know, this happening in one country, doesn't affect me. Mm-hmm. Regardless of what, it, if it happens in another country, you are bound to have run into someone whose family is in the outskirts of France, uh, outskirts of Paris when COVID hit, or, Mm -hmm. um, you know, who is of Vietnamese descent and witnessed the horrors of the Vietnam War, which Australia was also involved in. Uh, And then we accepted, you know, refugees and asylum seekers. Or, you know, you know someone who was an asylum seeker or has been an asylum seeker, and the terrible treatment that Western governments, particularly the UK uh, and Australia, have, you know, have put on these people and it you know we've got to remember that that takes a toll on us as well we can't you know go Mm -hmm. well you know it's not happening directly to me it's not going to take a toll on me
0: yeah no we and we can't live in a bubble anymore like and i i think you know no offense to older listeners but i think people our age you know i'm 25 um high school age up to like people in their mid-twenties right now really are leading the way in just being fucking done mm-hmm. with us not embracing the world as a whole. Um, you know, yeah. they're around the same time as, um, I I don't know how much you remember, but uh, Paris, um, I think it was 2014. Had yeah yeah the bombings the bombings, um, right around that time in Lahore, Pakistan, there were even more devastating bombings that happened, including at a park where there it was predominantly families with children there, mm. and um, for me that was harder because my best friend in high school her family was from Lahore, her family mm-hmm. was from. Simply down the street from where that bombing happened. And it was so hard on her to see just all the France stuff. And don't get me wrong, awful. We support yeah. for France as well. But it was so hard to see no news coverage at all of what happened in Lahore. Like, yeah. literally nothing. I checked pretty much every news source that I had access to and the only place covering it was Al Jazeera Yeah.
1: Um,
0: that I had access to as an English speaker I should say like obviously places yeah. in the Arabic world over in Pakistan and there are several languages they speak there India like those places were covering it of course but mm. our western media was all just about Paris um, yeah
2: so, it's yeah. and it's a, it's a really hard thing to like, reflect on and turn around and go that you know. That that impacted people like regardless of, you know what's making headlines. There are events around the world that are impacting people negatively. Whether it is that you know, um, you know a family member has died of a gunshot wound, or you know. Uh, the mother, you know, a mother has had to go to hospital Mm -hmm. for, you know, health complications and the children are left at home alone or, you know, the parents can't afford to have a parent at home or, you know, someone responsible at home to look after the children and keep an eye on the children. And that is a really, like, we just don't acknowledge how much that impacts people individually.
0: Yeah. And PTSD and depression and anxiety disorders are really on the rise anymore. Um, especially with COVID that created a huge trauma response, um, especially in kids who went from the stability of going to school every day yeah. to the complete unknown of what the next steps are. And yeah, exactly. We are not acknowledging the trauma that kids went through instead we say oh just suck it up and that is literally the worst person you can say or thing you can say to a person with any sort of illness whether it be physical or mental just just suck it up it's fine you wouldn't say that to somebody with cancer you wouldn't just go up to hankering right now and say well suck it up you're fine you have money just because he has yeah. money doesn't mean he is not in physical pain
2: well on the Hank yeah I don't know it's fascinating you know you mentioned Hank Green it's been an interesting couple of weeks I do remember someone commentating saying it's you know Hank Green is, is now have to has a, in a gamble with his life um and who knows what kind of toll I think if Hank Green t- died tomorrow um touchwood he won't but you know yeah if, if Hank Green, you know, if that happened, I wouldn't be surprised if we saw, like, you know, a sweeping mental health crisis across the Western world. Um, Especially
0: in kids and people our age yeah. who grew up with things like Crash Course.
2: Like, yeah. Crash
0: Course started while I was in high school, and biology class, we spent pretty much every day having Hank Green talk to us.
2: Yeah, and this is the thing, you know, Hank Green. The way he delivers his education is an accessible, and you know, it's not necessarily practical for all kinds of mm-hmm. education, but it is, you know, it is an accessible, easy to understand way uh, that move that can move at a variety of different paces, mm-hmm. so you can make sure you fully understand content. We used Crash Course Chemistry videos. Uh, for, you know, our chemistry classes, especially as we entered our final year of high school and, you know, support was starting to be taken away from us as we we're supposed to do everything ourselves. Mm-hmm. And, you know, those kinds of tidbits of information and accessible learning opportunities really do make, ev- you know, the education experience overwhelmingly more positive.
0: Yeah. And we might make fun of kids for being, you know, internally, I would never f- outwardly make fun of a kid. Well, mm-hmm. unless I have permission. I have one kid, we have that relationship. Anyway. Yeah. Um she made fun of me for getting into a car crash, uh specifically yeah. because she also had been in a hit and run earlier that year. So she's the only person where I have that relationship. But um we we see people get judgmental about a, an emotional response to what's happening in celebrity lives. Mm. But if you're a kid who might not have somebody in their life that they see themselves in, they will attach to a celebrity and that's fine. They're allowed to do that. Um, I personally don't get along well with my mom, um, or yeah, the, that's a whole whole thing. So I had to look for female role models that I could attach to elsewhere. For me, it was my teachers. Yeah. Um, they willingly filled that role for me. But for some kids, it's it's a celebrity and. You know, when Chadwick Bozeman died, um, I don't tend to cry over celebrities. Like, I feel bad because mm. they're people. But Chadwick Boseman, I I had a true emotional response to it and cried on my couch because I knew what he meant to my nephew, who did not yeah. have any black role models in his life. And... You know, he got so excited when we got Sam Wilson in Captain America 2, but got even more excited when we had Black Panther. And mm-hmm. so when his death was announced, my my friend called me to tell me. Yeah. I My response was initially oh my God, but then it was, oh my God, my nephew is going to be
2: devastated.
0: And he's yeah, not going exactly. to know how to process this because he's eight.
2: Yeah. And, like, I, I think this is where, yeah, coming back to, you know, making supportive spaces for people who are suffering mentally, any kind of emotional response to a set of events or, you know, a text or something needs to be taken seriously because, Who knows what's triggered that, you know, Mm -hmm. emotional response and how, you know, we should be processing it and how we should be, you know, handling to make sure that the person who's having that emotional response is okay.
0: Yeah. Like you, I, I have a pretty open platform with my kids. I have an anonymous, like, we'll call it a tip line. It's a Microsoft form that's anonymous where they can Mm. submit stuff to me to be like, hey, this is happening. Like, they can put their name if they need me to specifically know. Or I build in grade checks and it's, okay, you're behind. Please just tell me why. Like, be honest yeah. with me. Because, especially for me, where I'm not physically with my students, yeah, it's even harder for me. Because, let's be honest, I teach teenagers. They never turn their camera on. I, I could be walking right by a student on a normal basis and have no clue what they look like, um, but I, I, I can't know unless yeah. they, they tell me, and that goes in person, too. Like, if when I was teaching in a brick-and-mortar school during my student teaching, we had parent-teacher conferences, and I had, we had a dad come in and be like, hey, just so you know, Blank and I's, are Blank's parents, my, my wife and I are currently going through a really rocky divorce. Yeah. And this kid, we had had issues with him acting out, being, mm. frankly, an asshole um, yeah. to us, And it gave so much more context and gave us a leg to decide, okay, how do we support this kid in a different way? And, you know, I pulled him aside um, that following Monday afterwards, and I let him know that I knew. And we had a good talk in the, the hallway. And ever since at that point, he was fantastic for us. Um, yeah. And I think it, it all came down to, you know, I could have just held on to that information, not let them know that I knew and just moved on and we probably wouldn't have solved any issues. But yeah. even, and like I said, a lot of my research applies to, you know, regular life. If you find out, you know, something's happening in your friend's life. Mm. it's okay to let them know that you understand what they are currently facing that you are there as a support if they want and need it um it's important to not force support on them because sometimes Mm -hmm. they just need to process on their own everybody has their own processing but it 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 can make the difference to remind somebody that they do have somebody in their corner should they need it.
2: Yeah, exactly. Um, and I think that in general, as well, you know, people who are receiving education really do appreciate transparency above all else when it comes to the people that they're interacting with. They, they, you, you know, I, I found that the, the best educators I ever worked with um, and the best educators I ever learnt from were people who were transparent to, mm-hmm. you know, the people they were educating, telling them what's going on, how, you know, what, what the reaction is going to be. And, you know, simply how they can support, you know, the, the classroom or the individual or, you know, the group of children. Like it's, it's a, it's a really important,
0: mm-hmm.
2: uh, thing I think in education,
0: yeah, and that goes with transparency with the teacher as well. Like, obviously, there are some things you're not going to share. Like, it, yeah, if you're going through a divorce, maybe don't bring that up. But yeah, for me, I've always been very transparent with having bipolar and anxiety and PTSD with my students. That's not a decision yeah. every teacher can or wants to make, and I respect that. But I, I do it because then I can let them know at the beginning of class, hey, I am having a bad day, so if I seem yeah. off, it is not you guys. And it is important to remind them because then I don't want them wondering all day long, is my teacher mad at me? Did we yeah, exactly. do something wrong? Um, and for for listeners... Uh, I was in a hit-and-run in March. And I obviously was pretty emotional after that. And I told the kids right away that Monday after it happened, hey, this week is going to be rough. I'm going to be behind in grading. This is... I, I told them what happened. And I was like, I am yeah. currently in pain. Um, but, you know, we're going to work through this together. And you know i i at the same time like i'm supporting them they supported me and it's obviously easier i teach teenagers next year i'm only teaching yeah. 11th and 12th graders so we're the minimum age i'll probably have a 16 but i'm yeah. looking at more you know 17 18 year olds about to graduate
2: yeah
0: it it's Kids are allowed to be supportive of adults as well, you know. After I I mentioned that you know that happened, um, my school has like a chat feature that makes it easier for us to just interact with kids. Um, yeah. Because frankly, a lot of them don't want to get on the phone. Which same. Um. I I had a few kids who didn't even come to class, but watch the recording of class. Be like, hey, hey, I I saw your recording. Um, I hope you're feeling better and stuff like that. And that Mm. can truly make all the difference, even in a teacher's life to know that, Hey, you know, that support and respect goes both ways and kids will give
2: back the respect you give them. Exactly. And, you know, that's where you get mutual job satisfaction, mutual, you know, results satisfaction, You know, you you just, you have a, create a better climate for people to be able to do what they need to do.
0: Yeah. And that's why I say this applies to the regular
2: workplace too. Like, if you are a
0: person who manages other people, um, whatever title that entails, you will not get respect if you do not respect the people that you are over and that includes yeah. a certain amount of transparency. Obviously you don't have to reveal everything. Like if yeah. if you if you had a fight with your spouse the night before, maybe don't air that, but you can say, "Hey, I'm not doing well today. Mm. My anger or my frustrations are not towards you." Or yeah. You know, maybe just pull back a little that day overall. You don't even have to say anything. Just, you know, a lot of it yeah. is self-awareness of, you know, this is where I'm at. It's, it's why yeah. I talk about having, a, having bipolar specifically very openly. Because if I pull back, somebody is going to recognize, okay, they're just having a bad day. They're pulling back. Yeah. Whereas, if I didn't, if I wasn't open, and once again, I, I know I keep putting this caveat, it is not the same for everybody. Especially because of the yeah. stigma that mental illness has in, a spe- in Eastern societies, especially in African societies. Um, you know, I, I have students where they truly cannot talk about it at home. Yeah. Because... There is not an understanding of that. Um, Yeah, exactly. But if it's, I have found it easier for myself personally to just be transparent about it because then people aren't left wondering, oh, well, she's just being a bitch. Which sometimes, caveat, sometimes I'm just a bitch. Like, it... My my nickname in my group chat with my college friends is literally Colossal Bitch, which I made myself.
2: <laughs> oh, <look. coughs> I don't create nicknames on group chats anymore, because people seem to do a better job than I do. Um, but yeah, no, that's so important. Um, and we forget, you know, and this is why, you know, not that I want to dwell on it too much, standardized testing is a massive problem with mm-hmm. our education systems collectively, because we can't, you know, apply a one-size-fits-all approach to mm-hmm. education. That's not how humans work. We know that's not how humans work because we admit it in other areas of society. Yet somehow we seem to be hung up on the fact that we must have a one-size-fits-all approach.
0: Yeah, when this this along the same lines, but um, because we're a cyber school, we have to do state testing still. And it, what that entails is us going to different sites around the state um, to do it with the kids in person. We're not allowed to do it virtually. And I helped, I ran um, the one for the third through eighth graders here in the U.S. So, that's like eight to nine up to, you know, 14-ish. Yeah. And I had a kid during the math one, I think it was. So, for that great, great group, there's reading, math, and science. And during the math one, I had a kid. Everybody else was done. Except for this one who was working himself up so hard over this test. Mm. And he finally came out for a break. He, he, all he had was, like, eight questions left. And his mom took him by the shoulders and said, it does not matter this much. And we'd been telling him that all day, but he was worried his mom was going to be mad that he didn't try. And I let her know when she came and she was like, no, that is never how I felt. And when he came out, she was like, I don't want you to feel this way. And. Yeah, exactly. I, yeah, I hate standardized testing. I'm really good at standardized testing because I'm a really good test taker. I read really fast. I know that about myself, but I also am aware that not all kids are like that. My sister, my eldest sister, like, is one of the smartest people I know, cannot take a test for the life of her. I, like, she, she's a yeah. very successful nurse, but... It, testing in high school was hard. Like doing her SAT and everything was really difficult. Um, and it truly yeah. takes literally my my entire thesis really boiled down in the end to flexibility and mm-hmm. le- letting yourself understand others. Like, yeah, you you have to do the work in yourself too. Um.
2: Yeah, exactly. <sighs> um, yeah, it's 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 a really important concept and we so struggle to get our heads around it from the 100 to time it's easy to automatically kind of slot back into that, you know, easy thinking, I'm just going to do what society tells me to do. And, you know, society might not be telling you to do this you might be assuming society is mm-hmm. telling you to do this. And that is often, you know, what, you know, what you think is societal expectations is not anymore or will not be, you know, by the time, you know, whatever you're doing matters. And I think that that's, you know, even for myself, like today I really should have taken a sick day, mm-hmm. but I refused to because I really wanted to get the work done. And I had to speak to my coworker about it, And she said to me, you know, this is not healthy for you. You're going to you know, deteriorate further. Mm-hmm. And I said, I'm aware of the consequences. Uh, and I think that this is, you know, I, I did, I pushed myself into a, a, a point where, you know, I was working myself too hard. Um, and so I had a real hard, long, hard think about it. And I readjusted my expectations for the day. I still attended work the whole day hmm. uh, because I'm stupid and crazy, but um, I, I feel that. <laughs> But yeah, like there was one particular task I really wanted to get done today because I really enjoyed doing it. And I knew it was going to be a fun task. It did take me all day to do it, but you know, you know, that was my only goal, not the, you know, three other things I needed to have done through the day. I've pushed them back to another day when I'm healthy enough to get on a, mm-hmm. uh, a sustainable workload. Yeah.
0: Yeah. No, <laughs> I'm dumb. And, uh, there have been two occasions where I have been in the hospital the night before and, uh, went to work the next day, even though I got home from said hospital at, like, 7am and my workday starts at 7.30am, um, because I, you know, part of it's I, I do love my job, but part of it is we have such a societal expectation to not take days off, and yeah, I I will say I have an extraordinarily supportive boss. I I would die without her physically, yeah, literally, um, because she makes me take my time off uh, when I am when I desperately need it. Um, but you know, I I worked right after my my accident. Um, you know, I I do have the luxury because I teach cyber. I do go into an office and I'm around people most of the time. But I do have the luxury of yeah. being coming staying home if I need to. And because of that, I was able to sit in a chair that worked better with my injuries. Um, you know, I have flexibility in that if I am not teaching and I am that sick, I'm not going to get penalized for needing to take breaks more often. Um, And obviously, for most teachers, that is not how it works, especially nowadays. Um, At least here in the U.S., there's a severe teaching shortage, mostly because parents are awful. Um, If you have a parent of a school-aged child check yourself sometimes like we we will often say it is not the kids that drive us out of the profession it is the adults um because yeah there is not the culture anymore at least here in the u.s it used to be believe the teacher first
1: and now it's
0: the kids always telling the truth and truly they're not uh most of the time uh but you know it's it's a really weird issue now where like yeah our our generation the millennials are are like no we're tired of being worked to death but it's trying to break the mold that was set by the the boomers and gen x of you know continuing to work, building up those sick and personal days, not taking them. Um, and literally schools are denying teachers their time off because they don't have coverage. And Mm -hmm. I know I am incredibly privileged in the work environment that I have, um, i am incredibly happy with the school i work for and part of it is yeah i i don't fear for my safety every day you know going into yeah, work yeah, exactly. like we're not dealing with you know bomb threats and gun threats and you know oh, shit, I'm going to get sick every five seconds. Um, the reason I started mm. with cyber when I got out was purely because I, I have very weak lungs from, like, repeated pneumonia and bronchitis, mm. and I couldn't risk going into a school with COVID being, like, so prevalent. Um, yeah. And obviously, we still take our own, you know, steps for protection um, in, our, in our lives, but it all of this weighs people down and exactly i if you have pto if you have a sick day please for the love of god take it now please don't please. abuse that system i know there are plenty of people who take way too many sick and personal days and that yeah does hurt other people um, in in the business, it it is it is important to acknowledge that you are hired for a job, yeah, and exactly. you 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 need to do that job in order to not hurt other people. But for me, yeah. I am a salaried worker. I have a set number of PTO and sick days. I am gonna take them every year because yeah, exactly, it's good for me to do so.
2: Yeah. Um, I've got two things. I think on top of that, we've got to add the fact that a lot of our generations are taking jobs that we are passionate about nowadays mm-hmm. rather than jobs that we feel like we should be doing. Mm-hmm. And so therefore, when you feel passionate about something, you're going to really struggle to tear yourself away from you know what you're finding passionate. Exactly. Um, which is, and you know, that's part of the reason why I didn't want to go, didn't want to take a day off. Yet, you know, yeah. the day just gone because it's really hard to you know justify to myself why i deserve that day off yeah um i think on top of that and this is a fun fact for everyone uh a trademark fun fact um i didn't realize that long service leave is a uniquely australian thing um i don't know uh someone was saying i haven't been able to verify it but um, long service leave is this thing where you accumulate through your pay certain number of hours of leave, um, and after uh, seven years, you're able to take on that leave, and after ten years, if you leave the job, you're able to get that leave cashed out. Um, and what that was for was because people came from England, white people came from England, and they wanted to go back for many months at a time to go see you know family back in Europe. So it was literally the start of the hot girl european summer um and um you know i I didn't realize it was an australian thing like and i would encourage the people you know if you have a form of long service leave i don't know whether it's spread to other countries um please take it as well like long service leave is a valuable asset for your mental health you know it helps you avoid burnout when you get you know many many years into your career
0: yeah yeah some some professions have like here in the u.s it's like not something across the board um but some professions have adopted something similar um in the teaching uh profession it's like after so many years you can take a sabbatical um and go do something you're passionate about so my homeroom teacher you know took one to finish her master's thesis um Mm -hmm. in genocide studies, uh, not exactly the happiest, um, sabbatical, but you know, something she was passionate about. She's, she's since left the teaching profession, but it's because she's pursuing her PhD in that area. Um, but I had a teacher who, my, my Spanish teacher took hers so that she could go, um, back into immersion in Spain. Which she did in yeah uh, in college, and you know that helped her develop her craft, develop her skill. But she also was able to return to the friends she had made in in a place like Spain. Um, so, like, we have something like that. Um, you're supposed to technically do something yeah. while you're on sabbatical. Um, <laughs> it can take several forms, but um, yeah, it, that's
2: that's yeah. Take it, it's leave. Yeah, uh, yeah. Take a break. You know, and this is where like Iran makes the complaint. Oh, you know, teachers only work, you know, through the term time, and theoretically, you know, they they a aren't paid, but b you know are theoretically off, uh, in you know through school holidays and things like that. That is not a no. You know, you no. Know, that's not how you know that necessarily a works, but b also. You often have the equivalent of that kind of break. I probably not, you know, twelve to fifteen weeks of it, but, you know, a fair amount of, of time off. Um, although I did realise and I'm now remembering this now, America doesn't have like annual leave, good <coughs> annual leave entitlement. Nope. We suck. No. We so I've got a um, by law it's a minimum of four weeks here and because I work every public holiday bar Good Friday and Christmas Day i uh, take six weeks on your leave mm. uh, which allows me to go and meet up with the gang in richmond um, <laughs> which uh, is something that's definitely happening very soon and i'm very excited S- about.
0: sam's like it's winter here i'll go to the beach with you guys
2: that's fine look um i'm i think i'm ready for warmer weather uh i had a taste of warmer weather the other weekend and I'm ready for my, uh, my hot girl uh, American summer instead of European summer. Uh, more guns, more beach. Oh, God. Oh, God.
0: <laughs> oh. Thankfully, we are effectively in the middle of nowhere um, <laughs> for our vacation.
2: Also, it is the set of, you know, uh, a large drama TV show on Netflix. Oh, so. that's right. I forgot about that. Yeah, it's fine, but... Um, that's that's how I describe where I'm going to every Australian that asks where oh, I'm good,
0: going. Oh, good, good. For context, yeah. we're going to the Outer Banks. Um, yeah. But, yeah, like, take your leave. Like, I will say Joseph, my my fiancé, does... He doesn't get that much leave, but he he gets mm-hmm. a much better leave package than a lot of people. And, you know, we're... Well, we're getting married next year and then it's like, okay, do do we have kids and things? And so we we have looked at what our leave packages are. And he does get yeah. si- he gets 6 weeks of paternal leave. Which oh, Wow. Yeah, which, That's amazing. which is yeah, truly amazing for an American job. Um
2: which it's more progressive than Australia is as a country. Oh. Um,
0: well, yeah, and you know, and that includes for us like Adoptive or foster children as well. Um, oh wow! Uh, for both of, both of our jobs, like that that is included um, because it's a transition period when you bring any child into your life. Um, exactly. But you know he struggles with taking time off, and I'm mm-hmm. I'm like my dude. You he barely uses his sick days, and I'm like you have a doctor's yeah. appointment rather than. You know, working that extra two hours that you took to go to the doctor, just take the day off, and he he struggles so hard with it. And I'm like, you you have these days. You've been given these days. You have a supportive boss. We he and I are both very lucky to have supportive bosses. I uh, know that's not for yeah. not everybody. Like my boss will will physically make me take time off when I am sick or mentally yeah. unwell. Um but, you know, <laughs> please take your leave if you have it. Like I Yeah. As long like like I said, as long as it's you're not doing it in excess to the point where it's detrimental for other people and it is good to reflect on that. Like Yeah. Especially if you're in something like childcare or something, like Make sure you're you're reflecting on you know that that kind of thing, but yeah, like we we are not allowed to take more than three days off at a time unless we have like approval. Like there there are situations like yeah, um, like if you get married, you you can take like more than the three days off. Like that's that's okay. Or if somebody's yeah, exactly. sick. Or yeah. Uh, you know, there's, there are reasons. Or if you're going on a once-in-a-lifetime vacation, please go. But we do ask that, you know, you limit it to three in a row. Because, you know, being out that long can affect, you know, the kids. Or, you yeah, know, the exactly. fellow teachers. Um, and I'm, I'm very transparent with the kids being like, Hey, I'm going to be out these days. This is whether or not I'm going to be able to answer your emails during this time. Because I try to, you know, at least check in, check my chats and my emails, even if I'm out, just to make sure everybody's, like, not had some emotional breakdown and I need to send them to the guidance office. Um, But, yeah, truly, truly take your leave. Um, It's for your benefit to do so. If you don't, you're gonna burn out and that's... And I say this as somebody who does work in a form of child care, will be detrimental to others. Um, yeah, exactly. So, like, like I said, there there is excess in both sides—an excess of not, and an excess of too much. Take the time yeah, to reflect. And- of okay, there are other people depending on you, but you can't do your job if you are not doing any
2: breaks. <laughs> like exactly. Uh, it's yeah. It's really important, and you know, that doesn't just apply to adults with jobs or you know people who have the luxury to take leave. Taking time off, taking time to reflect, is very important, regardless of whether you're, you know, a student who's listening to this. By the way, you shouldn't be a student who's listening to this unless you're a uni student. Um, and then go ahead, keep procrastinating. I give you approval to do that. Yeah, um, I'm with you guys. And
1: Godspeed. Then, you know, you
2: take take a break it's important you know when I lost my job last year I knew I was going to take a break luckily I happened to be on holidays right as I lost my job so I you know enjoyed my holiday and then you know spent some time reflecting as you know things started back up again and reassessing whether I could commit to mentally finishing my university degree and you know holding down a job and Mm -hmm. I made the decision that it wasn't right for me and While I regret part of that decision, I think I could have done a better job at, you know, making sure my finances were better well managed and I was better well set up, you know, and supportive for it. Uh, I was able to, you know, really make sure I had that support all the way through to the end.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I tell my kids, like, log in for attendance, like, show up, please. But then go put it away. Like, take a mental sick day. You are allowed to do that. But I also tell them, please don't make it, like, a month long, because then you're going to get a little behind. Yeah. But a day or two a month, like, can make the difference for a kid. And people are like, well, they have weekends. It's different. It, it, it is different when you take off a weekday when you have work or you have school, because it feel, you feel the burden off of you. Like, it is actively yeah. lifted, whereas, you know, the weekends exactly. are passive, you know, you're off. It's fine. But I did...
2: Yeah, exactly.
0: And and like I said, I keep putting this caveat, everybody's situations are different, everybody's jobs are different, you know, some jobs celebrate you taking time off, especially in different countries. Um, and like I said, if you have your, your days, please use them, take whatever time you are given off. Yeah um you know maybe don't take like two months off at a time that might be might be an issue um or like don't take every other week off unless that's how your job is set up that that, then we're getting into a little gray area but you know take the day take three days take a week if you need it like go on a trip like don't let societal expectations keep you from taking a vacation or letting your body heal when you have something like COVID or the flu or something that really takes a toll on your body, Sam. Um, mm-hmm. you, you ah, cannot, thanks, Taylor. you cannot be your best employee self. You cannot be your best student self. You cannot be your best parent self. If you run yourself into the
2: ground. Yeah. Exactly, exactly, and I think on that lovely note, uh, we might wrap up. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Taylor, so much for coming on the podcast.
0: Thank you. I, it is uh, seven a.m. here, so I am going to go back to sleep. Sam I should the go table's to
2: on the podcast recording.
0: Sam should go to actual sleep.
2: Look, I'll go back to actual sleep. I've got to be up at 6am in the morning anyway, so... Samuel. um, But it's, I don't know, it's Christina approved, that's all I'll say. Um, It's not, but that's okay. Um, (laughs) um, uh, Taylor, did you want to be found on the internet?
0: Uh, if you want to, you can follow me at TayTay underscore ballet on Instagram, at, uh, as well, like, with most of DXM. I don't do Twitter. I was I was the, uh, you know, model for this, obviously, as I got rid of my Twitter a while ago, because I just didn't use it. Obviously, that's why everybody had followed my lead. No, it's because Elon Musk is a terrible person. Um, but... Yeah. Uh, yeah, if you want to see pictures of my dog, that's mostly what my, my Instagram is. Um, or if you join any of the network, uh, Patreons, you can always find me on the discord. Um, and, uh, another thing that we have is a book club for the, um, patrons and friends of the pod, uh, including a lot of the hosts, uh, that I run every month and, by that I mean I, I managed the discord although this coming month we are reading Fahrenheit 451 which I am leading. so yeah you can find me around. I, I'm around
2: I'm excited to read that book
0: have you ever read it
2: yeah no never have my uh, brother did for year 12 English but I didn't
0: oh okay I think I think you specifically will enjoy it just because of what your profession oh, is Oh, yeah, definitely
2: okay. yay we love that um, yeah, well, uh, yeah, definitely go check out my cabbages, the restricted section, or, or, of the Eldest Gods, uh, and their Patreons, um, obviously, if you prefer another show and are willing to wait, although you will miss out on cool events and fun things to do, uh, you're more than welcome to wait for another, you know, Day Sex Media podcast to get a Patreon, I'd, I, I i actually don't know when you know another patreon will be launched but you're more than welcome to wait if you want
0: what a, it's it's only a dollar um, a month even if you just want to throw i'm it I an mean, american dollar a month i don't yeah. know what the conversions are sorry
2: y'all uh i think it's a dollar 20 at the moment or dollar 25
0: hmm. yeah we have um, we have people from all over the world you know we're we're, we're chilling we're chilling
2: We're chillin', we're chillin'. Um, Taylor, uh, was there anything that you wanted to plug?
0: Oh, shoot, I forgot about plugs. That's a thing. Huh, what am I- Oh, I just finished, uh, Seven Husbands of Evelyn Hugo by Taylor Jenkins Reid. Uh, I know I'm behind the curve on that. I know it's been out for six years. Um, but I greatly enjoyed that book. It made me- It's It's not my normal type of book. Um, like it's told in flashbacks in an interview sort of form um from mm. a you know a starlet in her almost 80 now and like her time and obviously she had seven husbands um it, it has um gay elements if you're you're looking for something like that um i will say there is a trigger warning there for um cancer alcoholism suicide things like that but uh i really mm. greatly enjoyed it
2: yeah i've heard it's a good book my mother i think read it at one point uh, and got very excited by it but i never i don't know i'm bad at reading books at the moment i'm gonna get back into that um you can find me at sam.the.journalist on instagram and on tiktok you can find me on Twitter. I'm just not going to plug it. I'm sorry. Uh, We'd we'll be on plugging Twitter at this point. Um, this week, I'm going to plug the Great British Bake Off because I finally got access to like some of that content from whatever media company owns the Great British Bake Off. Um, I don't was, know, it's different uh, everywhere. I started watching it. I know it's it's actually owned by Fox, the streaming service, mm. um, which is News Corp's. Australian, um, um, uh, which is great. Um, I don't pay for that one, so I don't need to to be ethically worried about it. But, um, no, definitely uh, definitely go check it out. I've definitely watched a whole season while I was in the States and had access to it on Netflix. Um, And uh, it's just insanely funny, insanely interesting, Mm. and sometimes incredibly frustrating as someone who regularly banks.
0: Yeah, sometimes Um, I just want to, like, punch someone... Like, I watched a guy, like, just throw his entire thing in the trash because he got frustrated, and I'm like, please. Oh, my God. And then he didn't present anything to the judges. Ugh. Frustrating.
2: Don't tell me that's James A. A A Oh, no, no. No. That does sound like something he'd do, though. Exactly. No. Um, no. What a great show. Funny people all around, and definitely go check it out. Um well thank you once again taylor so much for coming on the podcast
0: thanks for having me i'm sorry it was sort of a downer for people
2: look we've got to have uppers and downers i think we've had like consistent uppers through the first half of the year so we're in our let's talk serious business uh phase of of the season
0: i'm i'm here to depress people that's my my job in the world that's why Mm. i teach depressory as my kids call my class
2: Yeah, we heard about sociolinguistics, we'll probably hear about sociolinguistics another three times at this rate, um, and who knows what the Barbie movie has in store, but I, I'll probably assure you that there are definitely serious undertones in that one.
0: Uh, yeah, from the trailer,
2: yes. Yep, yeah, I'm so excited. If you're not planning on watching the Barbie movie, uh, I don't know whether I can be friends with you anymore. <laughs> <laughs> oh and on that note we'll finish up okay goodbye Content and Capable was recorded, edited, and produced by Samuel O'Brien. You can follow the podcast at content, the letter and Capable on Instagram, and you can find it on Facebook. You can also send an email through to Pod at gmail.com with any of your thoughts, queries, or concerns. The best way to support the podcast is to leave a review on your preferred podcatcher so more people can hear the podcast. The art was done by Opia, and the music was written, edited, and produced by Jason Hilton. Content and Capable is proud to be a part of the Deus Ex Media Network, where you can find a podcast for any of your nerdy interests.
1: Hey, what's up? My name's Christina, and I'm the host of The Restricted Section, which is a super, super pro-trans rights, Harry Potter slander, Harry Potter book club podcast, in which all of those weird kids you went to high school with are still reading the damn thing but now we don't like it as much come along with us as we break down this classic fantasy series and show you how it is actually extremely problematic not only the author but also the text itself we should have known we were so young and innocent if only we could have trusted the adults who were writing the things that we put into our brain but anyway Don't get me wrong, we enjoy Harry Potter, we have a good time. We're currently covering Harry Potter and the Half-Blood Prince, which is probably for the best, because I don't really remember any of that book, despite the fact that I've read it probably ten times. Come along with me into the world of Harry, and take a intersectional feminist lens, a racial justice lens, a queer rights lens, all the lenses, that the author probably wishes we wouldn't use to break down this book to figure out why we love it and why it's bad new episodes every wednesday wherever you get podcasts
2: thank you for listening to content and capable don't forget to rate and review and we'll see you next week for another episode Media.